1: recorded live. Thank you.
0: everybody. This is a special of The Wall and the pre-show interview with uh, Alan. Cole, Alan, how are you?
2: Hey, good afternoon, Mike. Good to hear from you.
0: Good to hear from you. Thank you very much for calling in. Well, uh, just to let everybody know what they're listening to, this is the special The Wall, and we're doing uh, this special as a result of a number of different things, including uh, the president coming to Otay Mesa Uh, tomorrow in the San Diego area, and we thought we'd do just a little uh, background look at uh, what's happened uh, regionally, having to do with desert off-road racing and recreation, having to do with uh, the region that's being looked at, uh, in particular, very much so, tomorrow. Um, Well, uh, Alan, why don't you just uh, uh, take a minute and uh, briefly tell the audience who we're speaking with again.
2: Well, this is uh, Alan Cole. I'm over in Tucson, Arizona. I've been a Baja race fan for probably 50 years, and have not missed a Baja 1000 in 33 years. And I've lived as far away as Santiago, Chile, Mexico City, and Puerto Rico to keep that string of 33 uh, races intact.
0: <laughs> uh, and of course, you're you're listening live. On Off-Road Live, and of course, uh, we do want to mention that uh, uh, we are here in the Desert Tower Studios today from the Big Bad Desert, and uh, we uh, recently uh, had uh, some experiences at the uh, Mid 400, which we'll talk about later in the show, but in particular, we're going to talk about uh, what's going on with Desert Off-Road in the past. Uh, having to do with this conversation and uh, uh, what's going to be happening tomorrow. Uh, And, of course, our friends are here with us, Ram Trucks, Marlboro, Hard Rock, Budweiser, Red Bull, and the Baja Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, This is a pre-show interview for the Wall Special, March 12, 2018. Well, as soon as I saw that uh, it was confirmed that uh, the president was going to be coming to the San Diego area, in particular to Otay Mesa, Alan, I thought I'd give you a call so we can uh, reminisce a little bit about what Otay Mesa was like back in the day, and then also uh, describe to everybody what's happening tomorrow, and then we'll also talk about the, a little bit about the, my experience this weekend with the Mint 400. Um, and your uh, experience in the field uh, will be a great uh, res- response uh, having to do with these uh, uh, these uh, uh, comments and, and this uh, information coming across uh, the news today. Um, well, let, let me put it this way. I know you're a very close watcher with the news. What have you heard about what's happening uh, here in San Diego tomorrow?
2: Well, uh, I know that President Bush, uh, President uh Trump is coming out to inspect the uh, prototypes of his new, big, beautiful wall. And uh, it's going to be curious to see how welcome he's going to be in California.
0: (laughs) Well, um, the San Diego Police Department is gearing up for uh, protests. And, of course, all the other federal law enforcement, from what we understand, is, is gearing up, of course, for presidential security.
2: Yeah, I hope this isn't uh, doesn't become a confrontation between law enforcement at the two levels.
0: Right. Um, uh, I I don't I doubt that that will happen. Uh, I'm. Uh, quite confident that there's gonna, there will be protests because the, the San Diego Police Department is preparing for it. Let me read to you uh, directly from the San Diego Police Department's press release to all Otay Mesa businesses on March 13th, 2018. It is expected that there will be demonstrations in the Otay Mesa area due to uh, the president's visit. It is anticipated that there will be a large influx of media, people, and vehicles to the area, specifically in the area of east of Highway 905. In the interest of public safety, it is possible the streets will remain closed periodically uh, throughout the day. We ask that your operations remain flexible and, if at all possible, limit the activity of personnel and vehicles that will be coming and going from your business for this day. Please have your employees wear any previously issued work identification cards or uniforms to be readily visible to facilitate their access to their workplace. We appreciate your cooperation and patience throughout this day. We will strive to minimize the impacts uh, to your business. Our main goals are to keep the citizens of San Diego safe and allow for the protesters to exercise their First Amendment right to peaceful protests and to minimally impact the surrounding businesses. Uh, unquote, and that's the exact uh, community relations uh, uh, press release coming from the San Diego Police Department. Um, One of the comments I wanted to make uh, to everybody is that we're we're introducing a concept of the wall, which is totally unrelated to, for the most part, uh, to this visit tomorrow, but it, it has to do with the Baja Racing Hall of Fame, that I knew Alan, that you would be authoritative enough to to at least, I'd like to bounce it off of. And I know I haven't spoken to you about this, so it'll be interesting to hear your perspective. That'll be at the end of the conversation. Um, This is a pre-show interview for the uh, regular show that'll come on in roughly about an hour uh, today, March 12th. Uh, Alan, uh, I can tell you that back in the day, and this is like late 70s, early 80s, this is before... Uh, any real activity out on Ota Mesa occurred other than dry wheat farming uh and of course an old World War 2 airfield called Brownfield being out there uh 905 used to be a two lane uh farm road that that ran roughly from uh, San Isidro uh literally out to a just a dead end uh, short of uh, uh the uh, um the mountains there at Ota uh, that uh border of the east uh, at Otay Mesa. Uh, Historically, uh, the only thing that's really happened out there other than uh, uh, undocumented aliens getting into the mountains and setting stuff on fire for years now, um, the only other thing that happened in those mountains was that Repo McIntyre's band, uh, after a show in San Diego, lifted off a brown field and ran into that mountain, killing everybody aboard. Wow. Uh, Reba McIntyre took another aircraft and uh, uh, was not succumbed to the same fate. Um, uh, I've been out here quite some time. If uh, folks don't know it, I personally actually founded the Otay Mesa Chamber of Commerce in 1987. So i uh, been out here for a while, and I know the area. In fact, uh prior to formation of the chamber or any other kind of real business activities on Otay Mesa, uh, the only thing that uh, that road was good for is getting out to the dark uh, uh, at night as quickly as possible. It just went straight east, and it was so, so dark in those days, you know, so little activity out there, no lights or anything, that Halley's Comet in its last visit, and I forgot the exact year, but Halley's Comet was clearly visible from the end of that road. Wow. Nowadays, there's no way that you'd be able to see the same uh, astronomical uh, uh, event that uh, would occur out there because there's just there's so many commercial and residential lights in uh, not only Otay Mesa on the United States side, but mesa Otai on the Tijuana side. Um, uh, Alan, do you, do you have any questions about what's going to be happening on Otay Mesa tomorrow?
2: Well, no, but I, you know, reading the press release from San Diego, I, it, it, what I what I really should have said is I wasn't ex- anticipating a confrontation between state and federal law enforcement. I just am remembering the um, free speech protests at University of Cal Berkeley, two of them, that got well, way there was out of sp-
0: Yes, and there was also a free speech issue that occurred during a Trump visit to the convention center downtown during right. the campaign.
2: Right. So I just – I just am hoping that if there is trouble like that, that law enforcement will protect everyone, not just the local businesses, but they would protect the president and his people and any uh, residents or business people that are in the area, you know.
0: Well, let me let you know that the last time uh, there was a visit by the candidate, um, the only folks who really got the bad end of it were were the protesters.
1: Uh-huh.
0: or excuse me, not the protesters, but the uh, uh, people opposing the protesters. Oh, if, wow. Oh, yeah. If you were in front of a group of, you know, the quote-unquote uh, pro- people who were protesting the candidate, uh, several of those people were beat uh, pretty badly.
2: Well, and the, the protesters that I've seen at these events come well-prepared. They're well-organized. They've rehearsed what they're going to do, what they're going to say, and how they're going to do it. They know their egress and exit ways out of there,
1: and yeah, they, they come have plans. prepared
2: with they they come prepared with tools to smash windows and start fires and all kinds of stuff, you know.
0: Well, well, luckily there's really very little out there. Mm-hmm. there there's a, there's an auction house out there for vehicles, and roughly that's about it in the specific area where where the visit is going to occur. Now, several you know hundreds of yards in the distance, you will see. Uh, Uh, an energy plant that burns uh, uh, natural gas. It's Mm -hmm. a peaker. It's a peaker facility. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then there's uh, some uh, warehousing uh, buildings and so forth. But those are several miles away. And then there's a uh, state and federal lockup in the area also, north of exactly where that uh, site's going to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are well-known, very well-secured facilities. Mm -hmm. And, And also uh just a note to everybody the location uh at which those uh uh, uh test uh walls oh, are being well. built right uh, are owned by an old acquaintance of mine and, mm-hmm. and I wanted to bring this up simply in the context of uh, racing in that there was a time period 5 7 years ago where I actually uh uh brokered uh uh, to the owner uh, an opportunity to build an off-road racing short course facility on that land
2: <laughs> very cool
0: yeah we came very we came very close to being able to do the deal huh. <laughs> that uh the reason why that land would would have been perfect for it was because there is transportation to it it is wide open i mean literally I, the reason why they chose that location is because um it it is secure uh from uh from mexico and it is uh, also uh uh you know there's lots of raw land right there now granted uh it's uh, generally flat right on the border uh, but as soon as you get start going north, it, it does, uh, uh, you do get some topography. But when you go to the east, it uh, sharply goes right into a mountain.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sharply goes right into a mountain. In fact, the reason why uh, Otay Mesa has not been chosen for an international airport at Brownfield there was because of the topography uh, in the oh. mountains just east of the air facility. Oh um yeah that's long time local knowledge and then uh, the other thing that i wanted to mention was that the owner of the land right there obviously the land where the uh test walls are, were built uh th- that's federally controlled land but the area uh the land north of that uh border uh, abutment onto the wall, onto the existing wall, is owned by one individual, and uh, he gave it serious consideration uh, to uh, being able to facilitate a short course track uh, for the San Diego-Tijuana region. Huh. Very cool. Yeah. Um, now. Uh, Alan, the, the the thing that I uh, wanted to mention to everybody in a conversation with you is that it's already commonly known locally, because on radio and television, uh, it is only briefly like kind of off the cuff mentioned in this press release, that they will be closing down streets and roads in mm-hmm. this area, mm-hmm. and that the ingress and egress uh, of uh, uh, the 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 president into the area is not easy.
2: I wonder if because, the helicopter him in. Uh,
0: boy, that's a that's a great question. They wouldn't
2: they wouldn't announce that in advance. I don't think they'd they'd make it sound like he's going to come in in a caravan. But it wouldn't surprise me if he comes in by helicopter. You know, the Secret Service would have been out there for weeks, scoping out this whole area, and putting their their plan together. So it'll be interesting to see. Security will be very important. Just anticipating, you know, the protesters, as you mentioned, Mike.
0: Right. Well, just to let you know, uh, some of the uh, uh, badge guys uh, regionally have told me what some of the plans are. We won't discuss that uh, uh, in open public forum, but um, suffice it to say, it is one of the most challenging. Uh, uh, points of transportation that this president has uh, done uh, so far.
2: And by that, you mean there are choke points? or uh, What, what well, do you mean by challenging? It's like
0: driving into a cul-de-sac.
2: Okay, so there's not many... There's there's limited entrance and access, access going in and out, huh?
0: For sure, especially, uh-huh. and that's the reason why I brought up the, uh, uh, the mountains, uh-huh. the mountains to the east, and the border to the uh, south, uh-huh. that uh, it's very it's very challenging, uh, so much so it reminds me of uh, 1988 when we put together an event called Airspace America, and it was the very first large aviation event uh, that had ever been uh, attempted in the continental United States. What the goal was was to be a... Uh, off-year event uh, to the Paris Air Show. Mm-hmm. It was called Aerospace America. I bring it up because this coming May is going to be the 30th anniversary of that event. <laughs> and uh, we will be doing some kind of a promotion through our media company. Apparently, I'm the only one in San Diego that has all the existing uh, posters and Coffee cups and all that kind of stuff for that event. Wow! Yeah, I, didn't, I had no idea. I was talking to the airport manager at uh, Brownfield, and they were looking for stuff. And I said, "Well, uh, let's see. I only have this, this, this," and I had a list of about twenty-five <laughs> things.
2: Tell them you put them on Craigslist. They'll be there in an hour.
0: Right. <laughs> and if I had a if I had a GoPro, I could have put it on my person when when we flew on the uh, Concorde. Uh, the uh, supersonic Concorde in a loop from, uh, Brownfield at the time. And we, it was a thousand dollars per person. Mm, Wow. Uh, (laughs) it was the only time that the Concorde ever flew, uh, continental United States and Southern California. Wow. Hmm. Um, and, and I bring this up just to give you an example of the topography here. Uh, there was a fly in prior to the event, promoting the event by, Vice President Bush, hmm. who had already pre-announced that he was going to run for president. Ronald Reagan was president at the time. Air Force Two had to fly in the opposite direction to get into Brownfield. Wow. Because they could not fly a 707. 70- at that time, it was a 707. They could not fly it from the east and fly typically into Brownfield like all the small aircraft do uh, in this area. Huh they they had to fly it from the west and fly it into the uh, uh into the airfield
2: and how far uh, is the ocean from there mike
0: oh it's a stone throw from from uh, the tower at brownfield you can see the ocean okay. it's about uh, 15 miles
1: uh-huh. okay
0: it, it's very close
1: hmm.
0: um and also to give you an idea of the the really odd um uh geography there there was a plan to do a complete armada of uh, military aircraft to fly over the the start of the event. Well, the person who was coordinating it was based in Texas and he had not been told that there's a difference between the coastal uh, air regime and the inland air regime uh, in the San Diego area. And that morning when the fly-ins were supposed to commence, uh, only one aircraft got clearance to go through because Lindbergh Field w- had fogged that morning.
2: Oh man!
0: <laughs> so they right? So they assumed that everything else was fogged out, and at that oh, time, you okay. know, satellite observations weren't, weren't the best in the world. Right. The only aircraft that was able to fly into the event and do a fly, uh, do a complete flyover for the start of the event was a was a B one bomber.
2: Wow! How cool would that be?
0: Well, at the time, it was. You know, it was super cool because not not too many B-1 flyovers uh, uh, were known at that time. Right. And one of my friends who had never seen it before, uh, he said uh, that the aircraft looked like flying death.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: um, and being a big air fan, I I know my aircraft, so it, it, it didn't appear like that to me. <laughs> now, um, I bring this all up because uh, when uh, Vice President Bush was flying in for this promotion – He flew in from the west in a in a seven hundred and seven. They could not crank in the seven hundred and seven because it could not turn uh, correctly to uh, to fly in from the east, which most everything does. Mm -hmm. So much so, and this is a tie-in to uh, what's happening today. At this event, this was the very first time that the Soviet Union actually was authorized to fly an aircraft into an air, airport into the United States.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> they flew in one of the largest in fact I think at the time it was the largest transport aircraft in the world's inventory and that was in the the Antonov that was currently operating at that time. Mm. And let me tell you something uh we have vid- I have videotape of this uh, of the air show. Um, the Russian colonel who pulled that uh, air show uh, demonstration off with that that Antonov mm-hmm. was unbelievable. It's the same one that they flew in the Paris Air Show that year in 1988, mm. and the the turns that he cranked to be able to uh, do the air show demonstration at Brownfield with the mountains to the east were nothing but amazing.
2: Wow,
0: he literally turned that thing sideways to be able to make make the uh, the thing land. Wow. Um, So, uh, Airspace America will be uh, remembered in May uh, from the event that occurred back in 1988. This is all in the same, generally same location that that the the President will be visiting tomorrow. Now, uh, the exact location is more to the east than most of the uh, uh, Mesa. Uh, in that uh, the construction and everything has uh, proceeded from the west and moved east. Uh, There is now a a new border crossing facility uh, in plan and is going to be constructed roughly in the same area where the wall is. uh, The the new wall uh, demonstrations were constructed. The only other uh, throwback that I can mention to you uh, during Airspace America it was the largest congressional representation at a, an event in uh, in the West ever uh, by 1988. There were more people from Congress that showed up at this event. Hmm. During one of the evenings, we actually uh, boarded um, buses, all of these congressmen and all the VIPs attending from D.C., and we were invited to the uh, Hippodromo, or the uh, the racetrack over Tijuana, by Hank Rohn. Very cool. <laughs> uh, it's the only time since 1988 that a congressional group like this was all together and traveled in concentration ac- across the border into Mexico, if not any other international location since 1988. Hmm. Uh, the person who was responsible for funding the Pentagon was in attendance. I've forgotten his name since then. Um, and it was uh, uh, quite the experience. Now, one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, the reason security-wise people don't uh, congregate like that is because of the exposure to a, a bad event. And um, it's, it'll be interesting tomorrow to see how everything does progress, how how things do uh, layout now publicly this is public information so i'm not talking about anything that uh, is unusual uh most of the time over the past uh, 15 years if a president does visit san diego he flies air force 1 they fly air force 1 into miramar mhm makes sense yeah and miramar used to be uh, navy now it's marines uh and um, you know air force 1 in the miramar that's a That's a piece of cake to fly into. Yeah, well, they're
2: flying – the Navy had flew their hornets in there for years, so those things come in pretty hot,
0: I guess. You bet. And um, uh, so that's going to be the start of the event. Everybody will, you know, will know what's happening merely by Air Force One floating into uh, Miramar. Uh, And obviously they come in from the east, so you can literally – and I've done this before – you can see Air Force One flying in over uh, north of Lakeside, north of Santee, uh, north of the Mission Trails Park, like if you were on Mount Fortuna right there with binoculars, you could easily see it. And it just floats right in. It's a, uh, It almost comes in like a balloon. It comes in so nice and smooth. Um, and that will be the beginning of the event, which is going to be a big deal tomorrow. So we wanted to put a, a highlighter on this to – Uh, remind folks in Southern California and everything that uh, uh, it'll be an interesting day, certainly for San Diego and the rest of Southern California. Uh, The other uh, thing that I wanted to bounce off you, Alan, is our trip to uh, uh, the Mint 400 this year to Las Vegas. We covered it live, uh, and uh, not to talk about the racing, uh, but to uh, reminisce a little bit about uh, uh, that, You know, at the Mint 400 some years ago, you and I uh, attended and met at Contingency, and it just so happened that I was down uh, a few blocks away from all the hubbub, and they had placed the uh, tracking service so that the uh, rigs could get their tracking devices put on uh, prior to Contingency and prior to the race, Uh, and this was blocks away. Well, it just so happened I finished my interview, I talked with the race tracking people, and uh, I looked across the street, and it was like, gosh, what's that? It's all forlorn. It's all by itself. <laughs> and it was a, it was that building uh, with Atomic Liquors. And it just so happened that I just sat down there and dozed off for a couple of minutes, not saying anything about my drinking activities the previous evening. <laughs> but I did nod off for a couple of minutes there and by the time I uh woke up and, and uh was gathering myself to walk up, you know, the few blocks back up to the hotel room and go through contingency again, I stood up and I looked in the place and there's people inside and there's that beautiful poster of the uh that atomic uh explosion. Remember that? Mhm. Do you still have that photo? Uh
2: probably somewhere.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. Um, that was a. That was they were, actually.
2: They were still renovating the place too, right? It, it was open, but they hadn't really officially <laughs> yeah. opened.
0: But there well, were see, so many,
2: uh, so many of us from the Mint walking around that they couldn't resist opening a day or two early. <laughs>
0: oh no, it, it, that 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 really is the story. Uh, as a matter of fact, in uh, in one of our past shows a couple of years ago. I spoke with the the owner at the time, who who was <laughs> inside the building,
1: <laughs>
0: and we we both came to the conclusion that because uh, I was the uh, well the first one, I'm sure I was the only one too to start knocking on the front door.
2: Uh-huh.
0: I basically was the uh, first For customer course. of Atomic <laughs> Liquors when they opened. Uh,
1: that's great. And
0: it was Der- it was Derek. Uh, he was a partner then. He's no longer a partner there now. He's uh, He's got a new place called Rebar Las Vegas. Hmm. Very cool joint. And um, at the time, they didn't put two and two together. that They needed to be open because contingency was a couple of blocks up the street. Right. It wasn't going to include them except that, you know, just by happenstance, the tracking company was located across the street literally in the middle of a a vacant block of uh, of downtown Las Vegas.
2: <laughs> and they got pretty busy at the Atomic after that, right?
0: Hey, it was a going concern <laughs> by the time you and I had finished our beers and, and done our smoking.
2: Yep, yep. I think because your brother that, was with us, too, if I remember right. Yes,
0: he was. Yep. Yeah, well, yep. in he loves mentioning that. he goes, "What <laughs> place are we going to open this year?" so uh, and of course, I, I do want to relive this experience with you a little bit. I mean knocking on the door, they find, they cracked the thing open, I went, "Hey, listen, you guys need to have some some beer to sell and stuff. <laughs> they in in just minutes opened the place, drove to another store, got the cases ice cold cases of uh, suds, brought them to the uh, the atomic literally just cleaned up what was being refurbished, and, and the, the first dollars that were made were at that moment.
2: Yep, and that, that shows their uh, good old American entrepreneurship, right?
0: Well, because... let me express to you now, uh, Alan, that uh, the the interesting thing about this is that that is the center of gravity for the Mint 400 now in Las Vegas.
2: Uh, it's, moved, it's moved a little ways out from, from right off the strip, I guess.
0: Oh, it's four blocks south of the end of it. It's four blocks south of uh, the Atomic Liquors. Okay. (laughs) So it's way down there. It's a huge contingency. Uh, Great time had by all the fans, I'm sure, and the racers and uh, and sponsors. Sure. And and the real interesting thing to me was that, you know how you felt kind of, it was like open spaces and it was, kind of wide open, and right. you didn't feel real claustrophobic, right? Right. Unfortunately, right next door now is about a four-story condominium complex. Oh, man. You don't even get any sun on the property.
2: Wow. I wonder if they'd mind if we still sat on the curb and enjoyed our uh, PBR or whatever it was.
0: Uh, <laughs> I hope so. They now have a big uh, iron uh uh, gate there and they oh, also they have the chairs yeah they have chairs now outside where, where we had been uh, taking beers out to the uh, edge of the sidewalk
2: <laughs> well they really stepped it up huh
0: they they have stepped, and next door now is a, is a food service uh joint also called the atomic market
2: huh real entrepreneurial.
0: So, so well so things have stepped up quite a bit it looks completely different than it did And I can't even remember. Can you remember the year that was?
2: It was probably not more than five years ago, I think, Mike.
0: Right, right. Um, So I wanted to express that to you that the place has completely (laughs) changed. Um, It is. uh, My my guess is is the contingency is probably quadrupled in size. Wow, wow. Yeah, at least. That's a
2: great contingency too. I think.
0: Oh, it was a blast. It was just a really lot of fun. Now, the last thing I wanted to get to in this uh, pre-show interview with you is what I'm calling, just for conceptual uh, reasons, is the wall. And it is uh, uh, the reason why the Baja Racing Hall of Fame has started is because um, our brothers and sisters uh, south of, of the border in the Republic of Mexico have been lamenting for several years that they are not being chosen to be members of uh, the Off Road Ho- Hall of Fame.
2: Hmm. Well, that's too and bad.
0: It's they and so be. well, there's no question about it. And, and there's lots of people in the United States who have been involved in desert racing or off road racing, and have not been selected mm-hmm. uh, to, to be a member. So the all these people are now contacting us. They want to be a part of. Uh, uh, the Baja racing hall of fame. And, uh, we're certainly taking care of them. And, uh, I just wanted to, uh, uh, tip you off that this is happening. And rather than looking at our, uh, off-road racing or Baja racing nation as having a wall separating two countries, um, at least in this manner, in, in, uh, accepting, uh, people's applications or their interest in the Baja racing hall of fame, there is no wall.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Great. Well, there's and, a lot
2: of, there's a lot of, I hope they start with class 11 for their absolutely. first inductee. <laughs>
0: right. Well, I can tell you authoritatively that, uh, uh, the class 11 is one of the first ones we're looking at. And, uh, uh, folks like Eric Sol- Solorzano yeah, yeah. Um, have have been inducted into the Baja Racing Hall of Fame. Okay. Uh, and that happened at last year's Baja 1000 in November in Ensenada. And just to let you know, the, the great mayor, uh, the Presidente of uh, Ensenada, Baja California, uh, has spearheaded uh, the Baja Racing Hall of Fame here in the United States and there's going to be a lot more announcements having to do with Baja Racing Hall of Fame uh, coming up uh, into the uh, San Felipe 250 and the uh, Mexican 1000 coming up in April.
2: Right, great. Good stuff.
0: So just to let you know. And we we highly uh, request of you, Alan, if there's any chance that you have any ideas for any inductees, uh, we would greatly appreciate uh, your perspective.
2: Okay. Well, I don't... I have to give it some thought, but I'm sure there are some that will come to mind, you know.
0: Well, it, you know, in my mind, there's there's got to be a way of uh, bringing these people on in in a respectful manner. We we don't want to besmirch uh, the off road hall of fame, but there was a period of time for seven years, seven years, Alan when there were no inductees into the Off-Road Hall of Fame.
2: Wow, they went to sleep, huh?
0: They weren't even taking in, you know, the the people who they now take in, and that is, you know, the people who are sponsors, the moneyed Americans who are involved in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't even take those people for seven years. So there was a complete, you know, uh, uh dereliction of duty as a part of a you know a hall of fame so uh, the Baja Racing Hall of Fame uh, including the uh, presidente of Ensenada, Baja california we lo- we are looking forward uh to bringing into membership people who have been involved in desert off road racing for many years and who have been disrespected by the uh the clique mm-hmm. of in the industry of uh off road desert Baja racing we're looking forward to overcoming all that.
2: Mike, didn't we attend the first the first um, award ceremony at the uh, Horsepower Ranch in two thousand five? Yes, we did. That was pretty cool, huh? Uh,
0: I thought it was a great idea. Essentially, those inductees were going into the into a wall of fame at the the Horsepower. Okay. They have not done it for like three years. Wow. Yeah, they've not done any any more public events at at the Horsepower like that. It's too bad.
2: Hmm. What they're just too busy doing other things. The economy was too bad, or
0: I think so. I think people, you know, they, you know, when the accolades aren't going their way, they they kind of ignore what's going on. Uh
2: uh-huh.
0: huh. So we're we're uh, looking forward to changing that.
2: Good, good deal.
0: You bet. Hey, Alan Cole, thank you so much for calling into the show today. We know we're going to give you a couple of rings further. Uh, having to do with the uh, NORA event in April and uh, the Baja Racing Hall of Fame. Thank you very much for being on the show.
2: Okay, have a good time at the Mint.
0: Thank you, Alan. We'll uh, see you in a couple weeks.
2: You bet. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. the Baja crew and our special guest Alan Cole This has been a pre-show interview for the regular show of March 12, 2018 Off-Road Live is a Fox Sports Radio affiliate and we want to thank our friends from the Desert Tower Studios here in the Big Bad Desert That's right, Ram Trucks, Marlboro,
1: Hard Rock, Budweiser, Red Bull, and the Baja Racing Hall of Fame.